Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. Most beautiful Sunday morning ever. Isn't it gorgeous? So good. Y'all, my feet are tired. Last night, uh, we danced. Did you ever think you'd hear that in a Baptist church? We danced at the wedding of Jacob and Heather Harris, uh, and, and it was awesome. Yeah, we danced. I, I danced. Uh, maybe it's a really, really good thing that some of us Baptists are discovering joy and celebration, and, and this church does it better than anybody I've ever seen. This is a church full of really, really good dancers, and then some of us are really, really bad dancers, but all together, it, it, it is fun. Welcome to you. Open your Bibles to the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. We're in the message series entitled Summer to Remember. So we're going through scripture and taking out the passages where God specifically commands us to remember something. If God says remember it, then surely we need to remember it. The problem is we tend to forget all the things we're supposed to remember and we remember all the things that we should be forgetting. So we're coming back to the word of God so that we can learn to remember. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 is where we will be. I have in my hand uh, my very first Bible as a kid, uh, STP sticker on the back, uh, just like Jesus and the disciples would have had. Um, Yeah, it's old. It's fallen apart. It's King James. Uh, I carried this Bible for years and years and years. It was presented to me on my sixth birthday. I was saved October 3rd, 1971. All that's written right in there. Uh, It was given to me by Mama and Daddy and Tracy and Santa Claus. Uh, So, uh, (laughs) thanks, Santa. Um, Had pictures in it, which I loved. Uh, I would sit through church and uh, and look at these pictures. This is the prodigal son. Man, I've I've memorized that. Uh, There are entire pages where every single O is colored in uh, because sometimes preachers went long, um, (laughs) as we do. but notice this uh, elsewhere. Every page is filled with, with signatures, uh, nerd alert. Uh, I, I was just that kind of church kid. Uh, as a family growing up, our whole, our whole life revolved around church. And it wasn't a big church. It was a very small church. Um, but I absolutely idolized leaders in the church. I, I just always did. Uh, I thought that they were amazing. Uh, anytime an, an evangelist came into town or a, a quartet, uh, a Christian ventriloquist, uh, you know, clowns for Jesus. Uh, we had it all. Uh, I, I would have them sign my Bible. Uh, I, I just, I filled it up. Um, I still look at these names, and these names amaze me. These are men and women who have really left a mark on my life. This page falls out, but but here's uh, the pastor who baptized me. Uh, to Tim, one of God's giants, Philippians 1, 7, Brother Philip E. Masters. Understand when he said to Tim, one of God's giants, or I was this tall and about this wide, um, but, uh, but, but, but he saw something or spoke something in, in, in my life. Um, I'm, I'm forever grateful to these people. I mean, it's one thing that they left a mark in my Bible, but they left a mark on my life. Did you understand that? Do you see that? Are there not people who did that for you? It's not that any of these people were Jesus. I know the difference between people and Jesus. And and none of these people claim to be anything other than just people who were trying to serve Jesus and and, and shine the light of Jesus in the world. And, And they did that very well. And that's my point. When you have people in your life who follow Jesus very, very well, when you imitate them, you end up becoming more like Jesus. 
When you have people who, who shine the light of Jesus, you see Jesus, and you learn to love and know Jesus just by loving and knowing them. I'm asking you, did you not have people like that in, in your life? Because that's the point today. Scripture reminds us that we're supposed to remember them. Uh, so let's go to two verses in Hebrews chapter 13. Now, we're probably going to come in and out of Hebrews chapter 13 for the next couple of weeks because in the summer to remember, Hebrews 13 has a long list of things that it says remember, 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 remember. So we're going hit, to hit those. But, but two of those are the same. Hebrews 13 chapter, chapter 13 verse 7 and then verse 17. Start with verse 7. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. I'm going to read that again. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Now, verse 17, skip right over, same chapter. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. All right, let's go back to verse 7. We'll start there. Remember, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. We're talking about church. So what exactly, what exactly does it mean to talk about leaders in, in, in church? Well, I would say this first off. I would say that a lot of churches fail, and some of you have been in churches that failed, churches that closed the doors. Uh, there are probably many factors that contribute to a church that, that, that fails, but I would say uh, usually one of two things, uh, either leaders who do not lead well or followers who do not follow well. I think in most churches that where things get off, off track, obviously people have, are no longer faithful in following Christ. That's a given. But, but understand, in the, in the way that's expressed in church life, you probably end up with, with either leaders who do not lead well or followers who do not follow well. Now, I understand. Let me stop right here. I understand that, that when I'm talking about leadership in church, all of a sudden, I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel strange, and you probably, it starts sounding sort of strange to you because you think I'm talking about myself. And, and it might be that in, in some churches, some preachers you've known, if they preach this passage, what they're trying to say is, you all aren't remembering me very well. You're, you're not treating me very well. And that, that's not what I'm doing here. I, I've been with you for 21 years. I, I think it's pretty much settled that you all are very, very good to me. I love you. And, and when I preach this sermon today, I, I'm not trying to send you a message. We don't work like that. Uh, I love you. You love me. And, and I find absolutely this church is a delight and a joy to serve. Uh, so, so there's none of that here. So we talk about leaders. I, I need you to expand your definition. We're not just talking about how you treat the preacher. Because in church life, there are lots and lots of, of leaders, primarily because of the way Jesus defines leadership. Now, in the world, and Jesus makes it clear with his disciples, we don't do leadership. We don't do authority. We don't do power like people in the world do it. Now, some people like to try to bring that into the church because they love power and they love authority and they love to lord it over people. But that's not how it operates in the body of Christ. Jesus himself completely redefines what it means to serve in Luke chapter 22, verse 27, when he says, I am among you as one who serves. That's Jesus speaking. The, the name above all names, the one before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, and he alone is Lord. You understand? It is Jesus who says, you're not going to be like the Gentiles. You're not going to be like the pagans. 
When it comes to leadership, when it comes to authority in, in the, among the followers of Jesus, he, he is our example. And Jesus himself said, I am among you as one who serves. Do you want to be great, Jesus says? Then you be the one who serves. The first will be last. The last will be first. The servant is the greater. I mean, Jesus turns everything upside down. So in the church, we follow that example. Things are turned upside down. So if you're called to lead in the church, it is above all a calling to serve. You become the servant of everyone. So in church life, honestly, leadership becomes a matter of influence, but the influence that we, that we have, that, that we wield, it has to do with, with serving. It has to do with this, this, this mindset of, of, of being a servant, of being humble, being here and making it about everybody else and not making it about yourself. You ever been to the church where the leaders make it all about themselves? You pull up in the parking lot, and the first thing you see is the pastor's parking place. I don't understand him. If he doesn't have any legs, maybe. But but why does the pastor get a parking place by the door? Was he like king, czar, prince? You know, I I don't get that. You you know, I just don't understand that. I I mean, you get into a church where it's it's pastor and deacons or elders, and, and I mean, these guys rule. But I don't see anything like that from the example of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm among you as one who serves. Man, if you want to have a reserved parking place for pastor and deacons and elders, put us across the street. You understand? Let the old ladies have the parking places by the door. I don't understand, but often in church, when, when leaders begin to get authority, when leaders begin to, 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 to recognize where they are and what they can have, they quickly begin to make it about themselves. But Jesus has nothing to do with that sort of mindset. In the body of Christ, leadership is about service, and service is about humility and putting other people and their needs and their concerns above yourself. This is what leadership is. So that means we're all sort of leaders. All of us who, who take a place of service, all of us who, who somehow come into this church and try to put other people's needs ahead of our own, those of us who walk straight in this door and go straight down that hallway and report to the nursery and spend the next three hours changing diapers and rocking babies, that's leadership. It's leadership. Y'all are looking at me funny. How is that Leadership. They don't have any authority back there. I mean, they can boss the babies around, but, you know, how far is that going to go? Stop that. You know, you're going to fill that diaper one way or the other. No control. So I'm telling you, leadership isn't exactly control. It might be out in the world, but that's not how it works in church. Leadership isn't control. We're not here to control one another. We're to serve one another. That's why I love Faith Sparks in our church who has worked in the nursery for decades, decades. I said that makes her sound old, y'all. She's young. It's a miracle, you know. She's done it for, for decades. I mean, Faith Sparks, you know, rocked my son. He's 23, and I look at him and rock him today, y'all. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's 23. You know, when he was born, she gave him a sippy cup and a blanket. It was hand-knit, you know. I mean, Wade drank out of that sippy cup in college, y'all. I, I mean, <laughs> to be the person 
I mean, we say that Woodburn Baptist Church is a church that, that loves and welcomes everyone. To be the person, the very first person that introduces the smallest people who walk in these doors, the smallest ones, to be the first one to show them the very love and welcome of the Lord. They're doing the work. That's the work of the church right there. And it's a tremendous kind of influence. I mean, many, many in this congregation, lives are forever touched by a person like Faith Sparks. You understand? That's leadership. That's what I'm saying. It's influence, and this is how it works in the church. It's not from the top down, y'all. It's from the bottom up. Don Harris, my father, God bless him, and y'all know I'm not bragging. He's just a great man. He's a great man if I weren't his son. He's just a great man and a phenomenal teacher. Y'all know my dad probably ought to be a pastor. And at times, I think dad has thought he probably should have been and, and, and maybe was called to be. So God bless those of you who've been in his class all these years because you've been in his church. I mean, he goes in every Sunday and just delivers it. But understand, I, I, I've grown up in his house. My dad starts that Sunday school lesson on Monday morning. The next Sunday, he starts on Monday, and he studies every single day. He studies like, like a, a student lawyer about to take the boards. I mean, he studies like this is the most important thing in the world. He prepares that lesson like he's got a class of thousands. And that he works every day of the week. And then on Sunday morning, he comes in and just gives you what God has given him. And it starts all over on Monday. He's done that, you all, in this church since 1984. It's unbelievable. And he's done it, I mean, all of my life. And I'm 52. I mean, this is just a man who's been a Sunday school teacher, small group leader. Understand, this is what leadership is in the church. This is what I want you to understand. Pastors come and go. Pastors, apparently I don't go very quickly, but, but understand. In church life, pastors come and go. But, but, but it's, the, it's the church people. It's the leaders in the pews. The ones that never get a special parking place. The ones that probably never get any sort of uh, appreciation month. I mean, these are the leaders that leave the real marks. And I want you to know that I understand that. And I want you to understand that. This is what leadership is. And when scripture says, remember the leaders who taught you the word of God, doesn't your mind go back and think like, think about people like that? I pray you've had some good pastors. I mean, I, mean I, I pray that you have. But I'm telling you, there are a whole lot more in the body of Christ that are not pastors. But yet they still have tremendous influence. They still can be phenomenal leaders, even though they've never thought of themselves as doing anything but serve. So the scripture says, remember these people, remember them. What does it mean to remember them? Oh, yeah, I remember her. That lady gave me the sippy cup. What was her name? Uh, well, well, it's more than that. Remember, remember means don't forget, of course, but it, it has a sense of, of simply don't take them for granted. Don't take good leaders for granted for the simple reason that good leaders are hard to come by. Ask the personnel committee right now trying to replace Matt Betts in this church. I've heard people say, what's taking them so long? Well, you all, good leaders are hard to come by. You don't just walk out the door and spit and hit a Matt Betts. They're pretty hard. That's the wrong thing to say right there, wasn't it, for Matt Betts? It, it <laughs> sounded like we're not honoring him. And I meant to say, yeah, spit on Matt Betts. Uh, I mean, 
in the cafe right now. People say, you know, cafe, it's, it's changed, and what's going to happen? We need leaders in cafe, and we do need leaders in cafe, cafe, but you understand, good leaders are hard to come by. It's just not that we have a, a whole band waiting to step up. It's, it's not like we just take out one Don Betts and put in another Don Betts. I mean, good leaders are very, very hard to come by. And I think in our day and age, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult to find good leaders in church. Again, I'm not just talking about staff people. I'm talking about leaders of all kinds. Now, honestly, not to keep going back to Faye Sparks, but because of Ken Sparks' recent medical difficulties, Faye is probably stepping out of nursery work. After all of these decades, Faye's stepping out. Who takes her place? Who takes her place? And some of you say, well, Pastor Tim, I could probably do it for a Sunday or two, but you know, I, I like to, you know, we go to the lake two Sundays a week in the summer, you know, and I'm not really sure I can make a commitment. And, and, and you've already heard me say that Faye's done that for decades. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, I want to sign up to do something. You know, Don Harris teaches in Sunday school for 50 years. I can't do something for 50 years. Well, well, just ask you, what were your plans for the next 50 years? I mean, what were your plans for the next 50 years? I know you're probably going to watch a whole lot of the prices, right? I, I know that, 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 that at work, you, you put everything into your job. We talked about that the other week. I, I understand that, that it's not that you're just sitting around doing nothing, but we're talking about the work of the Lord here. We're talking about the work of the Lord, and it's getting harder and harder to get good leaders to step up. It's harder and harder to get people to make commitments. You know, in the old days, and I've been around long enough to talk about the old days, in the old days, you had people that were at church every time the doors were open, and we talked about them. I mean, we talked about the people who seemed to just, you turn on the lights, and they're already in their seat. I mean, faithful, faithful people, and these are the people that taught me and you. These are the people whose, whose shoulders we stand on today. They, 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 they shared Christ with us. That They showed us how it's done. But now I'm told in, in surveys and statistics that the very most faithful people in your typical church these days tend to attend two or three Sundays a month. That's the most faithful people. They show up two or three Sundays a month. It's not uncommon for me to run into folks out in the community that say, hey, Pastor Tim, I go to your church. And I'm thinking, you do? I mean, I haven't missed a Sunday. I don't miss a Sunday. And, and, and there are people who, who honestly, they, they just pop in Christmas, Christmas and Easter and they're welcome. I hope they'll keep coming Christmas and Easter. I'm just trying to help you understand. We've sort of redefined faithfulness in such a way where we don't have to make very serious commitments anymore. We like Sundays off, and we don't want to be in any situation where we have to serve, you know, every Sunday because, you know, you like to leave your options open. But I just want to remind you that the people who taught us, you know, the Mally Murrays in this church, she wasn't looking for a Sunday off. It was her joy, her delight to walk into that old building across the street and, and take care of the beginner's class. If you had new shoes, she'd let, let, let you put them on the table. And she shaped lives, she touched lives. Why do you need a week off from influencing and touching lives? Understand what I'm saying? 
we sort of redefine faithfulness in such a way where the, the way we serve doesn't exactly look like the examples that, that, that we were given. There are people who served very, very faithfully for us. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that's come from their lives and follow the, the example of their faith. Back to verse 17. Y'all know we needed to talk about this. Obey your spiritual leaders. <coughs> Obey. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. I didn't hear a single amen, not in the whole house. <laughs> Obey. Is that really the word? Uh, obey. Obey your small group leader. Obey your deacons. Obey the pastor. I mean, obey the, uh, 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 what? Obey. That's like a word you use for children. Obey your parents. I mean, obey? Is that really the word we used to describe this relationship we got going around here? Uh, Obey one another? You got to obey people? I mean, who are we talking about here? Who do you have to obey? I mean, let's give you the list so, so you're clear on this. Who are we obeying? Spiritual leaders. And do what they say. What? Really? Has that been there the whole time? Man, I could have had y'all bringing me pepperoni pizzas every Sunday. I mean, it says, do what they say. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? Again, this isn't all about me, but I'm the one talking right now. So let's talk about this. You got to obey me? I'm not that kind of pastor. I'm not the pastor that tells people what to do. I I actually rarely would tell anybody what to do. I I would do it myself before I would ask you to do it. That's just, that's how I am. It's how I'm wired. I'm not the pastor that commands obedience, expects obedience. I'm not looking for that. I I don't want to run the church. I don't want to make all the decisions for the church. I really don't feel like that's what God's called me to do. And yet scripture says right here, there's this obligation that we have in the body of Christ to obey those who are leading us spiritually. What does that mean? Well, the key there is spiritual leader. So when I'm leading spiritually, I, I think there's a sense in which you should try to listen to me. And I'm not saying I'm smart or wise or, or anything, but, but, but I do pray, and I pray for you. I pray my guts out for you people. And, and I prepare sermons. I, I prepare you all. I don't just walk in and talk off the top of my head. I'm not able to do that. I really have to prepare. When I prepare, I, I, I think through the congregation. I think through your needs. God, help me. I'll never step in this pulpit and just try to say things to, to make you do things, to manipulate you. God, help me. I, I never want to do that. I, I want sermons to serve you, to, to meet your needs. I, I want you to grow in Christ. I want you to be more like Christ. I'm serving you. That's what I'm called to do. Do you, do you understand that? Because go on and read the rest of the verse. Obey your spiritual leaders, do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they're accountable to God. When I read that verse and apply it to myself, I think that comes down heavier on me than it does on you. My job is to watch over your souls. I'm responsible for your inner life. Your, your inner life, the person you are before Jesus, the person you're becoming, your character, your prayer life, I'm responsible for that. God has made me responsible for that for you. And I will answer to God 
for your inner lives. I am accountable to God. It doesn't say accountable to the deacons. It doesn't say even accountable to you. In this matter, I stand before God, and I will have to answer for the way you all do in this life, but for the way your souls prosper, your souls. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. If, if, if my job is to care for your souls, then understand, when I step up here to, to preach, I'm trying to say things that will help you. So, honestly, this is about your soul. All of this is about your soul. It's your soul that's at stake. So, it would behoove you to listen now, I am a doofus. I'll be the first one to say it, y'all. I'm a doofus. I, I say silly things. I get things wrong. I, I mess it up. I mean, I am not a perfect man. But Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I'm up here and I try. I, I try. And what this scripture says is that when I'm trying and when I'm speaking and if I'm preaching the truth, you need to listen to the truth and obey the truth. It's not about me. It's about the truth that I preach on the best Sunday, okay? And not all Sundays because it's not always any count. But, but on the best Sundays, when it's true, you respond to the truth. And, and when you hear something that, that, that pricks your heart, when you hear something and you know, you know that that's for you and you know that that would make you closer to Christ and you obey that. It's about your soul. And when I am speaking and leading, and when your small group leaders, your Sunday school teachers, your parents, anybody who's trying to lead you spiritually, you listen to them, you obey them, you do what they say. But because understand, it's your soul at stake. We should always try to help those who lead in the church to succeed. You need me to succeed. It's not about me. It's about you. You need me to succeed because if I fail, yours is the soul that suffers. If I'm a crummy preacher, that means your soul suffer, and I answer to God. So it's in your best interest to help me become a better preacher. It's in your best interest to help your small group leader become a better leader. You work for the success of spiritual leaders. It's in your best interest to help Rod Ellis become the best worship pastor on the planet because the closer he leads us to the throne every Sunday, the more our souls prosper. It's in your best interest because it's your soul that suffers when spiritual leaders fail. Let me ask you this. What comes first in, in church life? Good leaders or good followers? Which comes first? I tell you, I've been doing this a long time. I think good followers make good leaders. Believe it with all my heart. I think good listeners make good preachers. I say that from my own experience. This congregation has made me the preacher I am. Because you're excellent listeners. Every time I step in the pulpit on Sunday, this church listens. You take seriously what I say, and you've made me take myself more seriously. You've listened to me into being a better preacher. You do it every Sunday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good followers make good leaders. Yo, I came into this church as a 15, 16-year-old kid, and I was an idiot. Not too much beyond that now, but 
I was an idiot. But this church just believed in me. I mean, you folks, you believed in me and you put me in a position of leadership that I did not deserve. I had not earned. Why did you do that? Because you know how this works. You can put a, a person in a position like that and then you follow them. And as you follow, they learn to lead. You've, you've, you've made me a leader by being an excellent follower. And good followers make good leaders. Look at the last part of that verse. We'll wrap up here. Obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. <laughs> What's that mean? Well, I, I would put it this way, and I think it works two ways. First off, if, if you're in a position of leadership, and most all of you are in some position of influence over somebody. So when you're the leader, lead in such a way that it's a joy to follow you. Lead in such a way where it's a joy to follow. You know, this doesn't just work in church. Those of you who are in positions of leadership in, in the world, if, if you're the president of the bank, if you're the, the chairman of the PTA, whatever it is where you lead, you should lead in such a way where people just love to follow you. It should be a joy. I mean, that's what Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says. It should be joyful. And it'd be a sort of a celebration all the time. It should just be wonderful to follow your leadership. So this is a word for all of us who lead in all the capacities of the church. You lead in such a way that it's a joy to follow you. How many of you had Sunday school teachers through your life that you just loved? I mean, you couldn't wait to walk in the room because they were going to light up for you and they were going to have all kinds, of, I mean, just crazy stuff, you know, snacks, you know, orange juice, cookies, you know, flannel boards. I mean, it's just so much fun and, and you never stop to think how much work it was for that teacher to, to be there for you Sunday after Sunday for your whole life. But, but they made it such a joy. The scripture says, remember those people. Remember those people who led in such a way that it's a joy to follow. And let me say this, you need to follow in such a way that it's a joy to lead you. Follow in such a way that it's a joy to lead you. Can I just get personal here? You know, the only thing that, that, that I find really difficult as a, as a church leader, church people who can't get along. I, I guess it's like a parent. You know, every parent, all they really want is for their children to love each other. But because the parent loves them all, and I love all of you, and it drives me crazy when you all don't get along. And for the most part, our church gets along great. We're not that church. We're, we don't have a lot of conflict. We don't have a lot of that. But over 21 years I've been your past, we've had enough of it. I, I despise that. I just don't understand sometimes why we have two of you, three of you that just lock horns and can't get along. That drives me nuts. What's wrong with you? That in itself just makes it very, very difficult to lead you. I don't understand how we can preach the gospel Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and then you think you don't have to forgive. You think that you don't have to apologize. It doesn't work that way. You follow in such a way that it's a joy to lead. And when your leaders have to stop and referee like it's a third grade Sunday school class, that's not joyful. We, we, we walk in the ways of Christ together. We, we grow deeper and, 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 and we walk further toward the example of Christ. And, and that's a joyful thing. I, I love the idea that we're all on this journey together. But when, when things like that happen, I start to feel really alone in this. So if you're a leader, lead in such a way that it's a joy to follow you. And if you're a follower, follow in such a way that it's a, it's a joy to lead you. 
think about this. In the body of Christ, you lead by the power of your example. I said that uh, we don't have authority. It's not about bossing people around. It's not about status. It's about function. It's not that I'm the pastor because I'm smarter or or closer to God, or God hears my prayers better than God hears your prayers. It's not that at all. It's just that God has chosen me in this congregation to have a different function in the body of Christ. My function isn't more important than your function. We're all together, equal parts in the body, and Jesus Christ is the head. You see how that works? And so our power is truly the power of example. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. This is the instructions for leaders. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you, not for what you will get out of it, but because you're eager to serve, say it, God. You serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Yeah, example. Like I say, I, I think about the people who have led me, the people who have discipled me. I think about the good that came out of their lives. Power of a good example. You know, some of the, the, the leaders in our church, at any point where you became less of a good leader, it was always an issue in a, of example. You know, on occasion, we've had small group leaders who would lead their small group and not come to church and not, not attend worship. And, and that's a bad example, you, you understand? Or, or, or deacons who, who want to make the deacons meeting but, but, but don't come to church a Sunday, two Sundays a, a, a month. I'm telling you, the only power we have is the power of example. And if, if by my own life I, I don't seem to be on the path, if by my own life I, I don't seem to be enthusiastic about the things that we say we share together, when, when my example suffers, my leadership suffers. Example is all we have. It's the power of example. So if you're a small group leader with any age group, think about your example. If you're a, a, a deacon in the church or a leader of any kind, a committee chairperson, whatever team you're, you're leading, it's your example that matters above everything else. As your pastor, it's, it's, it's my example. I'm, I'm careful of that. Don't lord it over people, but lead them by your own good example. So remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that's come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Follow the example of their faith. If these are people who led you, these are people who taught you, then one of the ways you follow their example is to uh, do for others what others did for you. You had really, really good Sunday school teachers when you were a child, right? When you stop and remember those teachers, remembering should make you grateful because forgetting tends to uh, make you take things for granted. Remembering makes you grateful. When you become grateful, doesn't that, is there a part of you that wants to follow that example, but by stepping up? I'm just saying that then in our church with so many of us who had so many good teachers all through the years that there's something horribly wrong. There's, there's, there's something painfully, deeply wrong in a congregation if we don't have enough workers in our children's programs. There's something broken in a church because we all had that. And, and, and the idea is that, that to follow their example, we, it's an example of leadership. There have been great deacons through the life of this church, deacons who, who led this church by example, who led this church when there weren't even pastors uh, for, for long, long seasons. I mean, I mean, the deacons led by the power of the example, and we need good deacons now. 
by the power of example. We need guys who will just step up. It's nomination time for, for deacon ministry right now. There will be probably dozens, if not 100, maybe 200 men that will be nominated to serve as yoke fellow or deacon. And we may get a handful, a very slim handful of guys willing to serve. Does that make sense? When honestly, to follow the example of those who led us is to step up and begin doing the things they did for us. We do it for others now in so many capacities. God's called our church to be a church planting church, which means we're constantly multiplying and sending out leaders. And it's a beautiful thing. And our church does it well. You're very, very faithful people. We have so many faithful workers. And so I'm just telling you, though, that we need more and more and more primarily because if you don't serve, you don't grow. You serve. So I'm going to ask you to do two things. First off, I want you to write a letter, an email, whatever you do, a text. I want you to remember somebody who's led you well. Think about somewhere through the years a person who really made an impact on your life, a, a, a teacher. Uh, maybe it's a family member, but somebody who spiritually left a mark on your life. Are you listening to me? I want you to do this. This is real. I, I want you to somehow reach out to them this week and thank them. R- remembering makes you grateful. So remember them this week and, and make a make special effort to encourage them. They probably have no idea what they've done for you, but you remember. So you thank them. Will you do that? Okay. Here's the other thing. and This sounds crazy, but I want you to consider this. Uh, those of you who have smartphones, try this. Uh, to the number 81010, I want you to uh, send us this text message, at text to serve. Put those figures, those characters exactly like that. Text to that number. And that is going to put you in a, in, a, in a volunteer base where you're actually stepping up saying, I'd like to serve at church. I, I'd like to find a way to serve. And I know that for many of you, this is what you want to do. You're always saying, you know, I don't know exactly how to step in. I don't know who to ask. I don't know who's going to ask me. I'm telling you, I'm asking you now. And this is for any kind of position in the church. Maybe you don't even know where to step in. You just know you'd like to lead and serve. Then, then take this number, 81010, and then put at text to serve. When you do that, then your name goes into a list, and a staff member from our church will contact you. We'll help you find your place. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that's come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Man, I look through this Bible. I, I see names of men and women, a lot of whom are dead, gone. Some of them are pretty famous. Dottie Rambo, y'all. <laughs> Every single member of the Oak Ridge Boys uh, b- before uh, Elvira, you know. <laughs> they were famous people, but uh, it's, the, it's the pastors, the Sunday school teachers, E.J. Workmans and Philip Masters. I wouldn't be where I am today without them. Aren't there people like that in your life? Scripture reminds us today that you need to remember them. You need to remember them. Pray with me. God, none of us got here on our own. Lord, none of us at all. 
We didn't become who we are today by ourselves. No pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, Lord. Especially when it comes to the spiritual life. We have been led and discipled and taught and encouraged and loved into the kingdom by people, Lord, whose examples were so full of good things. And Lord, now it's our turn. For the longest time, we've always sort of imagined that we were riding the coattails of others, that, that we would follow their leadership all the way into the kingdom. But now, Lord, as time goes on, we realize that there are others who need to fall in behind us. There are little ones now that we need to teach. There are jobs now that we need to put our shoulder to, Lord. The kingdom of heaven is full, Lord, of people who serve and yet not a single spectator in sight, Lord. This is a place for work, and we will work, Lord, to you come because there's just so much work to be done help us to put our own uh, hands to the work Lord with joy with gratitude for those who've done it before us and those who do it now God our lives are full and we're already busy people and there's a part of us Lord that shrinks back from taking on any new responsibilities but help us Lord to seek your kingdom first before everything else before all of the things that we've made commitments to Lord help us to make sure that we have made our commitment to you first that that the work you have called us to the work of our lives the reason for which you put breath in our lungs Lord help us to make sure that we're fulfilling our lives purpose first before we fill our lives with other things God thank you Thank you. Thank you for the faithful deacons in this church, all of the faithful teachers, the faithful workers in the nursery, those rocking babies right now to the sound of my voice. Bless them. Help them to find great joy in their leading here at church, Lord, and help us all to share in the work and do our part, Lord, so that we can celebrate. See the success that comes, Lord, when God's people do God's work and God's power. Help us, Lord, today. And bless this church. Thank you for all those, Lord, who got us to this point by your Spirit. Help those of us now by your Spirit, Lord, to fulfill our part in this story. Fulfill our role here, Lord, with faithfulness, gratitude, and joy. Pray these things in Jesus' name.